Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 10th of July, 2023. I'm sad to report it's a Monday, but you know what? They happen. You gotta get past them in order to get to the other days of the week that don't suck. I am Derek Hunter. I'm your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Check out patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com to where you can uh, support the show, get extra bonus shows. Five bucks. You know... I uh, just as an aside, and this is probably this will take a lot of people like get to right to this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I spent a good part of yesterday folding a ton of laundry, and I don't know, like six, seven baskets full of laundry. And uh, I'm watching the Food Network. <laughs> it was like Guy Fieri traveling around, and then it was like we surprised people with a con- cooking contest. It was like, it was fine. It, I I love watching that stuff. Uh, that and HGTV, I could just have. It's it's great to have on in the background. You don't have to pay attention. You never come back and you go, "Oh, I'm completely lost. What happened? I got to rewind." It's a cooking show, for God's sakes. You got it. So I uh, I'm watching this, and every commercial break. This has nothing to do with the shows. Every commercial break, there is some cause. It's just like the most depressed. I don't understand. It's a Saturday afternoon. And it was the most depressing thing ever. It's like a Sarah McLachlan song going, oh, they're going to all die. And it's like, a, and uh, elephants are dying. Elephants are, you can symbolically adopt an elephant for $19 a month and we'll send you a stuffed elephant. And I'm like, if you really care about the cause, I don't need your blanket, I don't need your t-shirt, I don't need your stuffed elephant or your stuffed tiger, or whatever. How about you just, you, if it's an emergency, don't bribe me with things. You just nobody goes. You know what? I don't really care about this, but boy, howdy! I want to spend nineteen bucks a month to get a stuffed animal when you could just go to a store and buy a stuffed animal. But there was things for elephants are dying, tigers are dying. Get a stuffed tiger. There is uh, the this charity that helps kids. There's St. Jude's all over the place. There was. A couple of them, oh, God, I think one was for a fish or something. It was like everything. And it was all weirdly 19 bucks a month. Nineteen For $19 a month, you can save a this, and you can save a that, and you can feed a one of these, and you can feed a one of... I don't mean to sound like a stereotypical Italian. You can feed a one of these, and a feed a one of those, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, who... Somebody focus grouped this thing. And they said 20 bucks a month is just too much. 20 bucks a month, that's getting to close to real money. Nobody wants to do that. So let's go. It's like the why prices end in nine, you know, why every price ends in nine is you're sitting there and you go, well, because if it's, if it's twenty nine ninety nine, it's not $30. And our, something in our weird brain goes, hey, you know what? At least it's not $30. Like, okay, well, there's tax and everything. What are you going to do with that penny anyway? But I'm not sure. 19 bucks a month gets you, opens the door. You can feed every animal on the planet. You can clothe every child everywhere. You can treat every sick person. And I'm like, that 220, what is it? $226 a year or something like that? You know, $228 a year. It's just a weird random number to sort of settle on if you're doing 19 bucks a month. It must be psychologically effective 
These people, like I say, these organizations, and they do great work. I'm not sitting here saying you shouldn't help kids with cancer or stop the Chinese from killing tigers because some idiot a long time ago said it will make their penis larger. You do all that stuff, but it's just such a weird, give what you can. How about we not, we're not going to spend, give, because I don't want to give to a charity where they're like, if you give to us, we'll give you back some stuff. Like, no, no, no. I don't, if I'm giving you $19, I don't want like 10 bucks back, right? The net to you should be $19. I'm giving it to you. It's not like at the grocery store when there's the little thing up there going, hey, please help the kids. And you stick a dollar in there and you go, all right, now give me like a, a pack of gum or something. I need something. I need kickback. Just help the cause. Give it a rest. If you're sitting there, look, there's nobody out there going, I don't really give a damn. Go ahead. Let all the rhinos die. I couldn't care less. Or let let children suffer the horror of various diseases. Oh, wait, no. You get a blanket? Oh, I kind of do want that blanket. All right. I'll take the blanket. I'll give in order to give the, 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 the blanket, the stuffed animal, the bumper sticker, the whatever. The personal phone call from Sarah McLaughlin is not going to be the difference maker or the deal breaker for most people. Maybe focus on the charitable work, right? Just saying. And if you're standing around with a camera crew in a house of, you know, a whole bunch of starving people, and this person is old and they're starving, they can't even afford to eat. Like, well, you're in their house. Give them a sandwich. Hook them up. Buy some groceries. What the hell did you stop by? We're just here. We're not here to help you. We're here to film you suffering. All right? No. Feed the lady. My God. Why is it my moral obligation to feed somebody when they're on the other side of the planet? Shouldn't their government have a little bit of a moral obligation to feed somebody? Their neighbors have a little bit of moral obligation to feed them? You who travel to the other side of the planet with an entire film crew have a little bit of a moral obligation to feed people instead of you telling me I need to feed them? There are hungry people here. I live in a town with a food bank. And it's not where you're like, well, I'm going to put in a uh, a round steak. And then if I let it sit there and accrue interest, it is going to be a Delmonico by the, uh, with rules of compound meat interest by the end of the year. That's not how it works. Take care of your neighbors. We do have hungry people in this country. We have hungry people all around the world. It doesn't make one group more special. Nothing does. Not their religion, not their geographic location, nothing. I just, I don't get it. I don't want to see animals go extinct, but I don't need a plushie to care about it. Anyway, that being said, for five bucks a month, you know, it costs you a lot less than helping save uh, an endangered minnow or whatever the hell it is, you can help this program. Help me. And that would be wonderful for all the free entertainment you get. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter dot local stock. I probably alienated more people there than anything else. But I just I'm watching this and like this is miserable. This is like the saddest thing in the world. Are they just these are private organizations the executives at these groups are probably making a pretty penny. Remember a few years ago when 
United Way guys probably like 15 years ago now. The United Way got into trouble because they were the executives were living large off the largesse of the people, like barely any money was making it to the uh, the people they were supposedly helping to the actual charitable work, just like the Clinton Foundation give to us, so that we can fly private to Paris to have very expensive lunches on the Champs Elysees about how we can raise more money to be able to fly to Paris more frequently and accidentally let some money fall out of our pocket so that we might help something in the way of whatever cause it is we were pretending to give a damn about. Just drives me nuts. Anyway, <laughs> patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Pug. Maybe I should set it like $19 a month and offer a blanket with my face in it. Would you want a blanket with my face? For a low gift of $19 a month, you too can snuggle under the giant scruffy-looking, fat, semi-gray face of Derek Hunter. There you go. I don't think that would sell all that much. You shouldn't, you shouldn't sleep under a blanket with my face. It would be unpleasant. Uh, maybe like a T-shirt with Holy Frank Tanana on it. That'd be something. Anyway, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Got a lot to get to. Let us get to it so that we can get to the week, the President of the United States, ladies and gentlemen, Joseph Robinette Biden. He actually came out of hiding a little bit. Not really in any way you'd notice. I tell you, it is telling. And if you are a so-called journalist who gets an exclusive sit-down interview with the President of the United States, in all honesty, you should be embarrassed. You should be ashamed of yourself. Because that means that you are a suck-up who will not ask any serious questions and will not present a challenge for Joe Biden in any way, shape, or form. And honestly, counting presents a challenge for Joe Biden at this point. So if you are less threatening to the President of the United States than a basic math question using two whole numbers, you should be... He went a Pulitzer instead. He went on... Uh, it was Fareed Zakaria's Fareed Zakaria GPS. How has he managed to avoid the axe over at CNN? How does how does that guy and the embarrassment that he is and the plagiarist that he has been exposed to be? How does he survive the axe that has fallen on so many over at CNN? I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know. But there he is with the president of the United States. He is a semi-male version of Nicole Wallace, who is a semi, semi-female version of Fareed Zakaria. Both of them are embarrassing. Both of them are pathetic. Uh, Nicole Wallace slobbered all over Joe Biden, probably in a way he liked during her interview. The week that Hunter Biden got uh, his sweetheart plea deal, she couldn't bring herself to ask about it because that would be too close to work too much like journalism god these people are so pathetic so anyway Fareed Zakaria is sitting down with him and Joe Biden lies repeatedly throughout this interview and not one single time did good old little lapdog Fareed bother to correct him in any way shape or form bother to correct him in any way nothing there's no like not even a challenge like hey uh, Mr. President that's not remotely true that is not remotely true, Mr. President. Should, you should have, if you you want to know CNN, you executives, you should still hire me over there at CNN to run the place because you have really honestly nobody 
over there with any sense whatsoever. But he talks about gas prices and oil, the price of oil. It is, it's down, not up. Did you know that? You're saving money. Right now, gas where I live is like a, it's like three sixty a gallon. It had been just a week and a half ago about three thirty a gallon. So it's well up. But since Joe doesn't pay it, Joe probably has never filled a gas tank on his own and doesn't give a damn. Plus, he's just full of crap and lies. He's so full of crap, I'm surprised his hair isn't brown again. He says this. Number two, the price of oil is actually down, not up. And it's not because they have done one thing or the other, but the world's changing our policies relative to renewables are real. Yeah, no, is uh, the Democrats' push for so-called renewables are what caused the price of oil to plummet. Except that oil and gas haven't plummeted at all. It's actually up. It's gone up. It's been up. Gasoline, for example, is $1.16 per gallon higher than when Joe Biden took office. Right now, today, he doesn't care. He's, I don't know what he's setting. If you take it from the high, the height, when it was like 4 or $5 a gallon, then technically it's down. That's what Joe Biden does. This is how these Democrats get away with so much of the crap that they get away with. And this Fareed Zakaria is sitting there like a dumbass, nodding in agreement. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Watch the video. It's in my, uh, it is in my Twitter feed. I've retweeted it from the RNC research. Fareed Zakaria is bobbing his head, yes, as Joe Biden lies, which means either Joe, uh, Fareed Zakaria is cool with the lie or he's so damned... God, I wish this were a curse show. He's so damned stupid, he doesn't know any better. Because I highly doubt Fareed Zakaria pays for gas either. I bet you Fareed lives in New York. I bet you that Fareed gets a car service provided for him as part of his overall deal with CNN so that he doesn't own a car, or maybe he owns a car, but he doesn't have to drive it very often. And he sure as hell does not have to dirty his little hands filling the tank up. You think, well, car service. These people get these kinds of sweetheart deals. They, if they have an agent that's worth a damn, they get these kind of deals. But to sit there, oh, no, gas prices, and it's all because of our green energy. What green energy? Where's the green energy? Energy costs are up since you took office, Mr. President. A good journalist even a non-complete moron hack journalist would have said, you know what, though? Gas prices are up. Energy prices are up. We're not really seeing anything. All the money that you've spent and promised and blown on various forms of so-called renewable energies, uh, they haven't even begun to reach the market yet because they have, you know, all the solar panels you're talking about, we built, we paid for something. They haven't even been manufactured yet. The windmills are not, nothing. There's no, you've done nothing. You've made promises in the future that likely won't come true because we don't really have the technology, the rare earth materials, et cetera, et cetera, to do that. So I'm not really sure, Mr. President, where are you getting this information from? I would love to have seen that question. But Joe Biden won't go anywhere near anybody who would ask that question. No follow-up questions whatsoever for this guy. And that's why he runs to Fareed Zakaria. That's why he runs to CNN. That's why he runs to MSNBC. They're all wildly 
pathetic. And this is perhaps the most, I wish I could tell you how I labeled this clip. Uh, I can, I can tell you, but I won't tell you. Fareed sucks Joe's something or other. Listen to this cut. Fareed Zakaria is, this is a question, because Joe Biden, of course, famously says, you want to think that I am too senile, worried about my age, whatever? Just watch me. Just watch me. Sounds like a pervert, like, watchings. Just watch me. Are you, what are you doing? I'm watching you through the window. I'm standing in the bushes. Keep, keep drying off. Keep telling off. I'm almost done. This is a question where Fareed goes, we did watch you. And so many people are wildly, who are these people who are wildly impressed with Joe Biden? Who are these people who are wildly impressed with Joe Biden? Who are they? Listen to this crap. You've often said when people ask you about your uh, age, uh, just watch me. And I think a lot of people do watch you and are impressed and they think you've been a great president. Uh, You've brought the economy back. Uh, You've restored relations with the world. You've brought the economy back. You've restored relations with the world. Yeah, no, we're not the laughing stock of the whole planet. No, 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 Fareed. He's... We feel so restored. Don't you feel so well respected around the world that world leaders laugh at our senile president? That when they all get together at the various G, this, that, or the other thing summits, that like a uh, a sycophant who recognizes that he's going to have to sort of help this guy. You don't want you don't want a strong United States president. You want a malleable moron up there. So Justin Trudeau like grabs him like a nurse would a senile patient in a nursing home. We're going, we're going this way. We're going, we're going to go over here. Come on, watch out for the steps. Finish your mush. We're going to go out. Yeah, you feel just so restored in the face of the world, don't you? Don't you? Don't it just, doesn't it just make you feel proud to be an American? Just like the song said. It's honestly, it's unbelievable. It's wildly unbelievable, yet all too believable, sadly. This was the setup. Watch him, watch him. Who the hell are these people, Fareed? I want to see an interview with somebody who's looking at Joe Biden and going, yeah, that guy's on the ball. That guy's making me proud. Finally, Iran thinks highly of... Oh, wait, no, they don't. They're sending airplanes and ships to mess with us. And, but Russia, no, wait, no, they're, they're flying protective missions over Syria against us. China, though, uh, no, China doesn't... Who likes us more? I'll tell you who likes us more. The third world dictator hellholes down in South and Central America. Because they're able to empty their prisons and save themselves a ton of money and send all the MS-13 and all the other gang members marching up Mexico into the United States. That's who they like. That's who likes Joe. They're like, oh, he's so impressive. This stupid game of Red Rover. Come on, send every degenerate over. You know, honestly, whatever comes across the southern border is still a better addition to the United States economy than than Hunter Biden is, than really any member of the Biden family. But that's beside the point. You watch these people come into this country, and why would you say, why do they want to get rid of them? Well, they empty their prisons. Okay, but how does that help them? Then they also do have family members and the heads of the cartels and the heads of the gangs down there, and you've got to kick back some money. The biggest growth industry down in many of these countries is human trafficking and kidnapping for profit, if you're dumb enough to go down there for whatever reason. And then the remittances. 
that come from their affiliate groups up here. And if they, hey, wait a second, the Cleveland gang has said, you know what, screw you guys, we're not sending you anything, we're going to keep it all for ourselves. Well, you just send somebody up to kill them. What's the big deal? So the Biden administration has been a boon to these cartels. They're making money hand over, not to mention the fentanyl that's marching across the border. So, yeah, those people are very, very happy. He's restored America's image in the eyes of the goon squads in Latin America. Congratulations. But then Fareed, after slobbering all over Joe Biden, does get around to asking a question-ish, sort of. But many of these people do say, and these are ardent supporters of yours, the next thing he should do is step aside and let another generation of Democrats take the baton. Why are they wrong? uh, Well, let me say, not right or wrong. Uh, It's, uh, look, to use the phrase again, I think we're at an inflection point. I think the world is changing, and I think I, uh, there is one thing that comes with age, if you've been honest about it your whole life, and that is some wisdom. I think we're on the cusp of being able to make significant positive changes in the world. Really, honest to God, do. I think we're on the cusp of maybe being able to make, on the cusp of possibly be. that doesn't say anything. We're technically always on the cusp of it. Why? Because anything we do can and will make the world either a better place or a worse place. We're always on the cusp because you're always at the point of a possible decision. This is a meaningless statement from a dumbass. With age comes wisdom. All right, what age? Is the age 90 for you? Because you're still seemingly a long ways away from having any wisdom. But it's just bizarre watching this crap. Then you get the president of the United States, Fareed Zakari, of course, there's no follow-up questions. Everybody loves you. I was talking to people in the CNN newsroom, and they said they've been watching you, and boy, howdy, are they impressed. What are they watching when Joe Biden, when they're not watching Joe Biden? Are they watching, like, bum fight videos or something? Well, compared to bum fight videos, no, because if you watch bum fight videos, every once in a while, somebody in the crowd or one of the bums themselves says something that is profound, true, honest, real. Joe Biden hasn't said anything that checks any of those boxes forever. So in that sense, bum fight videos contain more wisdom than anything the president of the United States has. So then we get to this one. This will be the last clip I'll play of Joseph Robinette Biden. This one cracks me up. He, uh, talking about Africa and South and Central America and infrastructure. See, the left, this kind of goes against left-wing orthodoxy, although he doesn't mean it that way and nobody will take it that way. The left looks at colonialism as the greatest wrong ever perpetrated on human beings, always done by white people, always uh, to um, non-white people. When in reality, various tribes have been taking over everywhere in the world and colonizing, raping women, killing the men, enslaving the children, uh, whatever it is, you name it. None of these places were utopia. And it just so happened that the evil, evil Europeans 
managed to advance technologically significantly further than Africa and South and Central America for some weird reason. Like they were stuck in the Bronze Age while Asia and Europe were traveling the world. Made it kind of easy to take them over when you have gunpowder and they have sticks. And even though the end result, you impose externally the same damn thing that was going on internally in these countries and continents and tribes. But Joe, I don't even know if he realizes what he says here. I'll, I'll play it for you and let you figure out, or let you try and catch it, the irony in what he's saying here. For example, you know, the, uh, the whole notion of, uh, um, you know, the, this new ring road that's going to put around, you're going to invest in other nations. Well, it's ended up producing dead in a noose. You know, these countries are in real trouble. Uh, and so, but it requires us to be more responsible. The West, I've been pushing very hard to get our European colleagues to invest in infrastructure in Africa, in South America, in to generate the kind of growth that they should have and could have because we're the ones that caused the environmental problems. We clear-cut everything. We, and now we're telling them, no, everybody slow up. Now, you love that. The kind of, you know, see if you saw it. Colonists, colonizers, particularly throughout Africa, but in South America too, built the infrastructures that these countries currently enjoy, the roads, bridges, water, sewage in the cities, not in the rural areas or whatever, but they they did. They existed. They built those things. They left them behind. They didn't blow them up by and large. When they left, they left them in place, advancing those civilizations significantly further than they otherwise would have been left on their own, not saying, well, then that's a good thing, and there you go. That justifies the abuse or whatever. It doesn't, but I also can't whine about things that happened centuries ago when the country and the continent, when the species was wildly different. And quite frankly, everybody was kind of doing that. Right now, there's one continent on which slavery still exists openly, and that's in Africa. Okay. Evil Whitey ain't running it there. So you look at all that and you go, hey, wait a second, man. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But okay, forget it. Put it aside. He's talking about investing in infrastructure for the kind of growth these countries should have. Should have. That's the key. What's the difference between that and the colonial mindset that the left decries? They whine about... There's no difference. I'll answer it for you. There's no difference. It's whitey. Sitting there, going, old whitey, the worst kind of whitey, sitting there going, look, brown and black people, we need to, uh, you need to grow this way. Not letting these countries determine their own fates in any way, shape, or form. It is, we're going to invest, quote unquote, we're going to give you money to build an infrastructure that we want you to have, that we think you should have, that would allow you to grow in a way we, not you, have determined is best for you. What's the difference between that and the old colonialism? 
Nothing, because I promise you, a lot of these countries don't have the ability to build this infrastructure themselves. They've been war-torn, they've got corrupt governments, they've had one strong man after another, tribal warfare, etc., etc., none of which is anybody's fault except for the people perpetuating it. So where are they going to, even if they've achieved peace, they're still bass-ackwards, where are they going to get... I don't know, cement companies and laborers who know how to build sewer systems, whatever, they're just not. That means what? That means that old white guys in Washington, D.C. and in Europe who will be cutting the checks, well, not only that, we're going to help you build your infrastructure. You don't have the ability to build infrastructure. Therefore, we're going to hire out companies in our countries to come in and build your infrastructure. Now, at the end of the day, you're going to have roads and you're going to have some sewers and whatever, but you're really not going to get an economic boon. They might hire some manual laborers here, but the companies who really make the money and the management and everything, they're all going to come from us. They're all going to conveniently be what? Major donors to the powers that be, the ones who are writing the checks from our joint bank accounts. It's all a big scam, but you get to sit there and you basically go, well, don't worry, we're going to help these people grow what's right in the right way, in the best way that we've determined for them. And Fareed Zakaria just sits there and goes, oh, that's good. That's good. There you go. That makes perfect sense, Joe. Fareed Zakaria, maybe he's an investor in one of these construction companies. What the hell do I know? Uh, I want to read you this from The Atlantic because the, the push is starting to happen. Even if you just sit down with friendly interviews and you still say asinine things, more and more people will pick up on the fact that you're simply not up to the task. He also looks like Joe Biden is looking more and more like the uh, the puppet from uh, Jeff Dunham, the old crotchety guy, I can't remember his name, Walter something or other. He can barely open his eyes anymore. He's always scowling, and uh, he can't address anything seriously. You challenge him in any way, and maybe, I mean, Fareed Zakaria didn't challenge him in any way, but he can get pretty, he's always been a nasty person when challenged. And so going back to 1988, when he's like, I bet I have a much higher IQ than you do when he was questioned in New Hampshire during his first run for president. He was, he lied about everything he said after that, including the IQ point, but that didn't matter. That's what Joe Biden does. He was angry about it. He gets angry very easily. I imagine he was a, uh, if I had to guess, I think he probably was a, a spanker, a smacker, a across the face of whatever, a grabber, a shaker, all kinds of those sorts of things. People with that kind of a fuse tend to be that way. But now the senility is showing to the point that the left is starting to worry. And so you get this from the Atlantic, the headline, step aside, Joe Biden. The subheadline: the president has no business running for office at age 80. Hmm. And it's written by somebody called Elliot Cohen, who is, uh, what the hell is he? He's a contributing writer at The Atlantic and, of course, a professor at Johns Hopkins, blah, blah, blah. And he has a bunch of, you get all these, and he's a such and such chair. I need a couple of billionaire patrons who just write big checks to various institutions to put me on the, there so I can continue to do what I do. And I go, oh, yeah, no, totally. You are, uh, you're the such and such chair in this university, that means you got to show up to two rubber chicken dinners a year, but you get a nice big fat check. 
I don't know who this guy is or what he ever did with his life, but he's he's living large and he's got tenure, so he doesn't have to worry about squat. He says, I am deeply grateful to Joe Biden. By defeating Donald Trump in 2020, he rescued the country from the continuing misrule of a dangerous grifter and a serial liar, a man gripped by vindictiveness, lawlessness and egomania. He's describing Joe Biden there as well, but... Uh, yeah, he rescued us from a booming economy and lower gas prices and lower food prices, and he saved us from all of that. So by contrast, Biden presented himself correctly as a decent, experienced, and entirely normal politician. It's kind of the problem with them. They're all corrupt. He may have even saved the country. Americans owe him a profound debt of respect and appreciation. God, I wonder how many apartments in Joe Biden's colon this guy purchased and combined into one giant one. He also has no business running for president at age 80. I say that with considerable feeling, being in my late 60s and knowing that my 70s are not far off. I am as healthy as any late middle-aged person. Admittedly, I cringe at the word old, which tells you something right there. Um, I read this, it was really depressing. You know, 50 isn't middle-aged, 60 isn't middle age, not late middle age. If you really want to get technical about it with life expectancy and what have you, middle age is close to 35 or 40. So, yeah, that'll poop right in your cornflakes. But I know that at this stage, I do not have the energy I had a decade ago. I forget more things. And if my body does not hurt when I wake up in the morning, a little voice in my head asks whether I am dead or do and do not know it yet. It's a real cheery thing. 67, in my view, is the new 66. It is an American conceit that aging can be concealed through Botox, blah, 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 blah. A lot of cliches going on. Clinging on to office, he writes eventually. Clinging to office in old age is selfish, too. In my modest line of work of university-level teaching, the ranks are filling with geriatric incumbents who refuse to get out of the way for younger people coming up. Well, then why don't you quit your job? They fool themselves into thinking they are as good as they always were, even as they deliver lectures from 30-year-old notes or cease to produce cutting-edge work. You're a political science hack. You're not, there's no such thing as that. President Biden is 80 years old. If he gets reelected, he will be 86 by the time his term expires. He will have spent, at the end of that time, nearly half a century as a senator, president, and vice president, positions all calculated to inflate one's self-image. As president, he has surrounded himself with former aides and dutiful technocrats, no peers who can look at him straight in the eye and say, with the gravitas born of experience and confidence, quote, Mr. President, I profoundly disagree. Perhaps this is what he has always done, but it is particularly striking now. The president works out a lot. So did Ronald Reagan, blah, 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 blah. Unfortunately, Vice President Harris, who has a resume but seemingly not the political skills and heft to be a compelling presidential candidate, is a weak backfill. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And then he finally concludes, Cicero speaks of the joy of age, of contemplating one's garden, metaphorical or real, or the company of friends, old and young, of leaving behind so many struggles with lust, ambition, strife, quarreling, and other passions. And he notes that there is something both desperate and inappropriate about trying to stay at center stage to the bitter end. Quote, an actor does not need 
to remain on stage throughout a play. It is enough that he appears in the appropriate acts, end quote. Joe Biden had the leading role in a crucial act in a grand story of America. He played it with grace and honor. It's time for him now to take a bow, accept the thanks of a grateful nation, and exit to well-deserved applause. Now, aside from the laughability that there's a grateful nation out there for a president with a 35% approval rating, and it just tells you how insulated a life Elliot Cohen lives over at Johns Hopkins University. This is the latest salvo in a cluster bomb, if you will, of people politely trying to tell Joe Biden it's time to get the heck out of Dodge. It's time to call it a day. They aren't really out there. They're all saying, look, you're too old. You're not going to have the energy. They aren't yet saying what's true. You are senile. You have lost staircases, not steps. You have, you are not, you're bad at your job. You are bad at your job. You are not on the ball. You're embarrassing yourself and your incompetence runs risk of doing more damage not only to the country but more importantly to democrats the democratic party up and down the ticket that's really what they want to say they're trying to do it in a polite way they're trying to get him like look it's i don't know if this is a good analogy or not but if you're dating somebody Especially when you're younger. Nobody wants to... I guess some people do it. I was never good at breaking up with somebody. I was very good at making somebody want to break up with me. It was easier. If I, if I was just, you know, we go out and you're like, I don't, I'm not really into this person anymore. Or I like somebody else more or whatever. I can't just go, look, it's not working out. I'm sorry. Because why? Because nobody wants to make somebody cry and see them cry or upset somebody or anything like that. So what you do is you just start, start being aloof. Start being a little bit of a jerk you make their time around you less pleasant than it otherwise used to be and then eventually they go geez this is terrible i'm not going to stay with somebody like this this guy's a jerk and they go i want to break up with you and you go oh no 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 all right well i understand but oh that's terrible you sure all right and then boom you're out the door with a smile on your face driving down the block They're at that stage, the Democrats are, the left-wing establishment is. They're trying to make it seem as though, and nudge Joe to the point where he goes, you know what, it's my idea to call it a day here. I think it's, I think we should, I think I should call it a day here. They want him to come to that realization. Sooner or later, there's a high probability, especially if he keeps falling, tripping, he keeps screwing up, he keeps saying wildly stupid things and damaging the party down the ticket. Somebody will go and say, hey, you have lost it, Joe. And, and then they're going to stop trying to convince Joe to drop out and start trying to convince someone like Gavin Newsom to jump in. That's when you reach the tipping point. Gavin Newsom is already set up. Gavin Newsom is ready to go. He wants to jump in. He wants to be there. But he's also sitting back and going, well, okay, here was what we're going to do. I'm going to blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Set up the infrastructure, but not really do anything with it just yet. And then the second that they do, it will be... He's there. 
it's time for Gavin Newsom. There will be the push for Gavin Newsom. be very interesting to say. I can't wait for it to happen because he's gone awful terrible people. Anyway, that is enough for today. I think we'll see. I don't like making predictions like that, but I suspect sometimes when you go far enough down a road, you can tell that it's a dead end or a cul-de-sac or a T intersection or something. And it's not really making a prediction. It's just a matter of will you run out of road before it happens or will you be able to get out of there? So that's what I'm looking at. All right. I'm actually giving away the damn book now, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Giving away the damn book. I know it's been a long ass time and I'm sorry about that. The winner is Chris Wilson, spelled with a K and no H. Chris, you've got a message from me. Sorry it took so long to give this away. But you have won and you have chosen the Brad Thor book. The, uh, which one is it? The Apostle. So congratulations to you. Get me your address. That means Ray Lewis is coming back next week. And Ray Lewis is going up against Senator Mike Lee. And I think the book is The Freedom Agenda. I don't have it in front of me. It's down by my microwave. I forgot it down there. The Freedom Agenda, autographed by Senator Mike Lee. To enter, to win, to have a chance at the dream of the published word, autographed by the author of either Hall of Famer Ray Lewis or Hall of Famer Mike Lee. He should be in the Hall. They should have a Senate Hall of Fame. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. And for $19 a month, you can have a T-shirt with my face on it or socks or whatever the hell. I don't know. But no, for 5 bucks a month, you get to join all the contests. You get the extra shows, the Weekend F and Review, the pictures, etc., etc. Check it out. Please consider becoming a supporter of the show. It's the only revenue stream we got here. So I appreciate the hell out of those of you who do this. It shows me that you appreciate what I'm doing, and I'm not just yelling toward cats. I'd say at cats, but not to yell at a cat. You'd have to yell at a cat. I'm just yelling in the general direction that cats are. And they're sleeping and snoring right now. They don't give a damn. But I'm glad that you do. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. God knows the stupid never stops. Have a great one.